Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Lara podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. So I have three questions that you've asked me and I chose them this time as opposed to having a laundry list of of ones. Um, And I chose one for kind of several categories. One is a movement question, one is a yoga teacher question, and then one is a life question. So I'll start with the movement question. This person asks, when I get up in the morning, I find that it's difficult to straighten my spine all the way up. And I have to push my chest forward basically to stand upright. What is happening? Okay, so imagine getting out of bed and you have been in a like a curled position, maybe it sounds like, like you're flexing over. So, so just imagine you're sitting in a chair and then you just lie on your side and then go to bed like that. So you might be sitting a lot of the day in a flex position, and then you're lying most likely in a flex position as well. So before I would go any further, I mean, I don't know this person, but I would say like, what are you doing during the day? And how are you sleeping at night? Those are two things I definitely would ask. So assuming that those two things are what I have in mind, that you're spending a lot of time in hip and knee flexion and trunk flexion, You can imagine if you've been in your bed for five hours to eight hours, nine hours, whatever it is, and you get up in the morning, that that flex position, the tissues have molded to that position and they're kind of used to being in that position during the day, we're assuming. And then you're getting up and nothing is warm. So your synovial uh, fluid, which is these wonderful fluid within the joint that actually kind of is 
is self, it's a self-fulfilling type of fluid. Like the more you move, the more you create synovial fluid. The synovium come, creates the fluid there. So you have to move those big synovial joints, especially like the hips and shoulders. And when you haven't been moving in a while, it feels really like, like you're just kind of dried up. You know, you're, everything feels creaky. So it's like the uh, Tin Man needs his little squirt of the oil on there. So that's one reason is that you've been most likely in one position all night long. And then you're saying it's hard to stand all the way upright. So you tend to push your chest forward. And why is that? Well, you're not getting your hips extended in your pelvis underneath you. So if you don't get your pelvis in neutral, it's really challenging to get your spine in its natural neutral alignment. So it feels like you're kind of tipped forward. What's really good, though, is that you're recognizing that is not an ideal position. Because what I see is over time, people will get used to this slightly flexed position, tipping in the pelvis, and they, they look like they're a little bit like, you know, a rounded over person, and but they don't realize it until like they see a picture or, you know, catch themselves in the mirror. So it's good when you're when your brain still recognizes, hey, you know, I'm not in my neutral position. So that's a good thing. So I'm really glad that you're recognizing that. The thing that I would do when you get up out of bed is first of all, before you get out of bed, if you have just two minutes, just start to move those joints. So you could do this in your bed by just sliding your knee up and down, like you're pulling your knee into your belly flexing at the hip and the knee. You could also do it standing, but it sounds like when you come into standing, that might be too much for the hip extension right away. So you could try it in your bed, just sliding, getting the hip moving. Once you get that synovial fluid in there, as I'm sure you've discovered, it it is easier to get more upright. But when you are tipped over, like the way you're describing, your hip, you're not in, you're not in neutral position at the pelvis and you're probably flexed at the hip anywhere from you know, 10 to 20 degrees. So you have to think of uh, this upright line. And when you're fully upright, your hips are at zero, which is um, the extension that you want. Going beyond zero is like pushing your hips forward. You don't want that, but you want the hips at, at zero at the starting place. So first get the hips moving in some way. And you could also do it at the side of the bed. Like when you do it lying down, just sliding one knee up towards your belly at a time, like you're marching, but you're lying down. If it feels better, like you want to kind of get off your back, you can sit at the side of the bed and start to just like do a little marching there. The other thing you want to do is roll the shoulders. So you'll sit at the side of the bed and start rolling one shoulder at a time back. So you're you're going to feel, and you might even hear some real like dry, dried out, like rice paper clunkiness. Uh, because again, we need to get the synovial fluid moving here. The fascia will get uh, hydrated with movement and that will really help as well so that your ribs don't feel like they have to push forward to get you upright. So other than that, the biggest thing I would, the biggest take home is change what you're doing during the day. Nighttime is harder to account for because you're sleeping and you're asleep. You know, like you can't like see what you're doing when you're sleeping. You could have the best intentions and then still I've seen tons of people who try different ways of sleeping but they still end up like super flex like a, you know like a little embryo. And that's okay. There's something comfortable about that, but it can it can make you feel super tight in your joints. 
What you can control is what you're doing during the day. So as I've mentioned, you will always hear me mentioning this, change positions frequently. It's the best thing you can do. I recognize I work with so many people who are, um, they have no choice but to be in front of a computer. It's part of the job. But you've got to change positions, whether it's sitting and then standing, whether it's standing and marching, um, whether it's a combination of those things. If you can get a treadmill desk, wow, that's the best thing possible. You know, maybe your boss will do that. I don't know, but or if you're your own boss, you should do it. Um, one of my dear friends is a writer, and she said it really changed her life when she got a treadmill desk because she started walking. I'm talking super slow. You know, you're you're barely walking, but she was walking up to like eight miles a day, not really breaking a sweat, but just moving for the sake of keeping those joints happy. She was having all kinds of neck and shoulder pain. And by moving in this slow way on the treadmill as she was riding, it it helped that up, you know, the upper part of her body tremendously. So I hope that helps examine what you're doing during the day because that will impact uh, how you feel in the morning as much, if not even more than how you sleep overnight. And that again, it's something you can control. Okay, I have a question about teaching. People ask me this all the time. How do you prepare for a class and how do you remember so much of your class? Uh, This is somebody who takes my lit daily because I teach, I teach a lot. I teach, that's what I love to do. I mean, I look at it like I'm teaching and I'm learning and I'm assimilating knowledge and then I'm applying it and then I'm spreading it, you know? So I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are, that study and have like the academic stuff, but they don't see a lot of bodies, right? They're just kind of reading the research and there's nothing wrong with that. Like research is great, but it's for me, it's one, it's like if I held up my hand, there's five fingers on it, that's one finger. I would never just hold everything on to that one finger in terms of movement. The other fingers that I would say are super important as well is that I'm applying it to myself. Um, so my own self-study with movement. And then another finger would be, I am applying it to the people in front of me and many of them, like massive amounts of them. So I teach anywhere from seven, uh, five to seven or eight classes a week because I have my own studio and I can do that. And then I'm recording classes in addition to that. I also see private clients I, and I teach, do teacher training. So I see and examine a lot of people. So you're asking about how I prepare for a class and how I remember it. Well, just to give you that background, that's a lot of it is that I've just been doing movement and teaching for many, many years. So I'm super comfortable with it. And that helps tremendously. And this is for anyone who's teaching anything. If you're a personal trainer or aerobics instructor or a yoga teacher, I'm sure you could apply this to uh, the classroom as well. Academic classroom is the more you do something, the more you're comfortable with it. And so it's there's going to be an ease to it. And so the preparation becomes you know, just shorter and shorter. Like I don't have to prepare nearly the amount that I would have had to 15 years ago. You know, I remember the first workshop I ever taught, I prepared like the whole week I was thinking about it. I took down notes. I wrote down the class. I practiced it. I I changed it. I modified it. I tried, I taught it to some other people. I mean, I, I just prepared so much and I have a lot of teacher, teacher friends and teachers of mine who do that as well. And it's, it's a way of like, 
I would rather be really prepared and then be able to adapt to whatever's in front of me, what I see, than to just kind of wing it in some way. So that is my biggest advice is I prepare to the point where you feel super comfortable and that will change with practice, with experience. And then the final thing is how do I remember my class? I think what you're referring to is that I teach a lot of different classes. I have different themes and sequences and, you know, my brain just works that way. It's like, I, you know, I ran into somebody the other day who I hadn't seen in five years and I had, she was a patient of mine and I had treated her and I just remembered like all these things about her. And she was like, what, this is crazy that you remember that. And it's like, I just have that kind of mind that I can have an associative memory. So I remembered her. I remembered her glasses. I remembered her name. I remembered what she did. I remember that she told me she stood in heels all day and this was affecting her back. So it was all in relationship. You know, it wasn't like random bullet points, but I, I, I remembered her daughter and how old she was at the time because there was something. So it was just, it was just, I just remember things. I don't know what it is. My mom is a genius. I will say that. I have nothing like my mom has. She remembers so many things, so many details, so many facts. She she can tell you anything about literature of all kinds, history, art, um, politics. She is really, 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 really brilliant. So I have a smidge of the ability to retain that memory that she has, but not anything like her. And I have it a lot with the movement and associating things with the body. So I would say that if that is not something that comes as quickly for you, then there's all kinds of techniques that my teachers and people that have trained with me have used over the years. And it could be like, for me, if I want to remember something, I write it down. So if I'm preparing for a lecture, I hand write what I'm going to talk about in the order I'm going to talk about it. And then I probably, I will probably not even look at the notes. Maybe 5% of the time I'll look at them. And a lot of the times I won't even look at the notes because just the act of writing it down was like putting it right into my brain. But if it's a lot of information and I want to review, I will review the notes then. So I've had teachers who will do that, who will write down their class plan. And it is, it's a little, uh, you know, there's labor intensive, but that act of writing it down puts it in their brain. I think you could apply this to any classroom setting. Just prepare and then the more prepared you are, the, the more capable you are of adapting to any of the circumstances that come in front of you. I, I really believe that. And, and you're just going to feel so much more capable as an educator if you are really, really well prepared. So I, go do that. <laughs> okay. Last question. Because um, again, I wanted to choose three different questions from different categories. It's a lifestyle question. So this life, I get asked a lot of different lifestyle questions and I always want to put out a disclaimer that this has worked for me and this is what I do. Like everybody's different and everyone has different bodies, different histories, uh, different appetites, different, you know, likes, dislikes, all these type of things. But um, this person says, what do you do to keep your energy up? <laughs> and I'm asked that a lot. It does seem like I have a lot of energy, but um, I don't know. I don't overthink that I have a lot of energy. I just keep moving. So lifestyle question, what do you do to keep your energy up? So I think that 
What works for me is that I'm passionate about what I do. So I feel like I refill my cup constantly. I'm doing things I love to do. When I do the things that are not something I really like to do, but maybe necessary, I feel much more drained. So what I've learned over the years is if I can have somebody else do those things, I it's it's like I'm a, I'm an energizer bunny. I just keep on getting refueled. But so doing things that you don't like doing are is, is, it could really drain you. And unfortunately, life has those uh, demands on us, and they we might not be able to parcel those things out. So just know that balance it out with the things that you really love and that really energize you. And if you find that you're in a job that is really draining you at the end of the day, at the end of the month, at the end of the year, I don't know. I would check that out. I would really, really check that out. Life is short. Why spend it being drained? (laughs) Find the thing that lights you up and know that with that being lit up, there's going to be some stuff that will be a little bit of a drag. And that's okay. But if a lot of it's a drag, that's not okay. So that's one thing um, that really helps me maintain my energy. I I try my best to, I don't have like great uh, speeches or <laughs> suggestions that, like some people would have for like, this is what I do every morning, like a ritual. I don't have that. I have coffee. That's my ritual. I love it. And that's enough for me. I wish I could say I got up and and, you know, just went over to like some altar and and meditated. I I don't. And, but what I do do is I get coffee in the morning that my husband makes and brings to me. And I sit in my bed and I pet my cats and I do, I just, I'm just looking out at the, at my curtains and I'm doing nothing. And for me, that's really wonderful. That's a way of entering the day just a little bit more collected. So I would say the start of the day is important. And some people have like such great rituals. And I would say, do what works for you. This is where we're all very, very, uh, like having a ritual is almost kind of too much for me. Like just the ritual of having coffee and sitting there and doing nothing is actually really great for me because I guess maybe the rest of the day I'm doing so many things that like in the morning, I don't need to have a ritual of, of doing something. I just sit and drink my coffee. So I would say, make sure that you have, there's a rhythm to your day that keeps your energy as high as possible because you're going to have natural waves of energy and natural ups and downs, but what can you can kind of consistently rely on? So for me, I rely on that waking up with the coffee and then having a schedule to a degree really helps. Uh, but there's some wiggle room in my schedule. And then almost without compromise, I always have something for me every day in terms of movement. It could be that I'm practicing myself. It could be that I'm filming a class. I could be that I'm doing a walk in the woods. It, it could be, but I'm, there's, there's no, there's not a time where I'm very few days where I don't, I'm like, oh gosh, I didn't have time to move. Now I'm lucky because that's part of my job, but I'm, I'm really clear that movement is energy. Movement is energy. Movement will create energy, especially when you think you have none. 
So move in some way. It doesn't have to be. And, and don't think that, you know, just five minutes, 10 minutes, that's fine. You don't have to like carve out an hour. And if you don't have that hour, it's just all done. Just do something a little bit. So I hope that helps. That's again, what works for me, but find what works for you in terms of your energy, but really look at all the sources that create energy. It's not just food. It's not just sleep. It's not just um, socializing, but it's your profession. It's how you treat yourself. It's knowing what serves you. Like, is it that you need something like, like a ritual in the morning or some kind of uh, really regimented schedule, or, or do you need a little bit more just nebulous space in your day that, that serves you and will actually give you more energy? So thank you. As always, you can send me questions anytime to lara at movementbylara.com and check out my lit daily for all kinds of classes that will, without a doubt, give you energy. I promise. As always, pulling for you. Hugs from me to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.